filthy, dirty kid. You're, you're proving that, yes. Uh, uh, I'm an apprentice. All right. You don't have that look. You have the look of Oscar Wilde in your eye. Uh, now you ask for it. Open your trap. You're dealing with a pro. All right. All the way in the back there. Yes. Way in the back. Well, I don't think, you know, I just don't think any set of experiences that you have in your life affect you much more than any others. In other words, you're asking me a question, how do they affect me? Well, I'll tell you for one thing, it gave me a hell of a lot more tolerance for people than I had before I went in. And when you're thrown in with a lot of people whom you wouldn't even have as friends in many cases, you begin to see a lot about life when you're in a situation like that. It affected me in many ways. It, 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 it made me implacably anti-war, for one thing. But that's only one thing. It did a lot of good things for me. I think, for one thing, it took me out of the self-pitying thing, which most of us have. You only do the thing you want to do, and uh, you always feel that people are after you. And it did good things and bad things for me. But I don't think uh, anybody can go through an experience as complete as the army without having some kind of change come about in this viewpoint as a result of it. And it's not as simple as people who've never gone through it believe. It's a complex change. Well, now listen, it's, uh, it's getting kind of late. Uh, are you guys enjoying this press conference? You know, I mean, uh, I'm trying to answer as truthfully as I can. Now wait, all of you who have had questions answered, Please keep your hands down because you, look, I've seen the press card. What do you want? Do you want me? Do you want to give it to me? You want to ask me a question? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you've read the. Gripes well, stand up. I don't know if you've read the gripes abroad, but um, you are a traveler. And where would you uh, suggest that you start off going in the world when you visit a country? What did That's you a good that? question. He says, "Where would if you want to be a traveler, where would you go first in the country? Uh, you know, in the world." Well, I would say Ireland. Now, that's an unpopular answer, but I'll tell you this. If you start by traveling, if you start in your world of traveling and you go to a place like Ireland, the one great thing about it is that they speak your language and, and, and it's just an, a total experience. And, and uh, on the other hand, if you start in a place... See, I'm talking, you're asking my opinion, all right? Now, now my, it, I don't care what's going on. It's nothing to do with whether there's a, a thing, a problem going on there or not, because uh, you ask me what country, and I'm telling you that I, I, I feel that if the great start for a, for a traveler, if you want to learn how to really travel, if you love the idea of traveling, you ought to take a car and go drive up along the coast from, say, a place like Limerick and drive up to Dublin and spend about a week in Dublin just fooling around. And after that, you're be already beginning to be a traveler. Most people go to the obvious places. They go to Paris or they go to India or they go to France. These are the obvious places. You'll send me a postcard. Well, you send me a postcard from, uh, from Galway, and I'll know you made it. <laughs> Because I think I just love Ireland as a place to travel. I'm just great, tremendous experience. Uh, I loved it, and I I, I I I I made friends in Ireland from my my first visit that I took to Ireland that I still have. It's a tremendous place for that. If you like people, you'll love Ireland. Simple as that.
Uh, how about the girl over here on the left? I think you could explain it better than I could. I don't do the show for kids. In other words, I'm doing a show. My show is not done for young people particularly. But I think, I think you enjoy my humor, I think, more than anything else. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to be egotistical or not, but I'm just saying that for some reason or other, my kind of humor appeals to a certain kind of person. You'll find that 80-year-old ladies will laugh, too. It's a certain kind of guy. And, and, I, and I just don't put teenagers... You know, today we put teenagers in a separate nationality. It's like youth is a separate nationality. It's not a phase through which you pass. It's a nationality like Greek and Belgium. And a lot of kids really believe that their nationality is youth. They have a youth passport. <laughs> and it's just no such thing. Nothing is worse than to see Ringo Starr waking up on his 38th birthday. <laughs> Uh, and he is uh, all the way back by the Venetian blind uh, at the last count 17 <laughs> no uh, WOR you ask how many WOR listeners I'll, uh, that's a good question and I'll tell you at the hour that I'm on according to the most there's no way to know actually after all you know how can you tell because millions of people or hundreds or thousands will be listening in cars at that hour. You know, we cover 27 states at the time I'm on. I get mail from places as widely dispersed as, say, uh, Italy. Guys listen to me in Italy. Did you know that? I get letters from, I, I got letters from places like Switzerland. Uh, now, at that hour, they figured in our primary area, my listening audience varies between roughly 800,000 and 1.9 million. That's all. Well, now wait, that's not as much. Now wait, that, that sounds like a lot. That is a lot. But remember, we're covering, that's in 27 states. And, and, and it, now wait a minute. Now. Now, don't, don't, don't quit. You ask me a question, I'm telling you the actual fact. Now, you may not like it. You may be, because most people who listen to me feel that they're part of a tiny minority. <laughs> Almost all letters I get say to me, well, you know, Shep, none of my other friends listen, but you're my friend kind of thing. In fact, whenever I do a show in a college, and, you know, 2,000 people show up, there's always five guys who show up after the show, and they come up to me and they say, Hey, Shep, who are all these phonies? <laughs> so he's the only listener. See. But we do have a hell of a listening audience at that hour, and, and, I, and that's a powerful medium, W.R. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's quite right. Thought he'd get a laugh, but he was right. <laughs> God, you can't win any, can you, kid? <laughs> Uh, how about the guy way back there? Yeah, right there. Yes, I, I yeah. Um, Wait, I can't hear that. Who said that? Well, I don't think the Times knows much about humor. I've read the paper. I... Well. I, I think I think humor 
Yes, in a way, I'd have to agree with that, because I, I think today that most people's ego gets in the way of being funny. That, that as people become more self-involved and they, they become more egotistical, it becomes less possible to be humorous. Because any good humorist, good, has to first be able to laugh at himself. And I cannot imagine Joan Baez laughing at herself. Ain't no way to think of the average kid in this crowd here laughing at himself. Most kids can't. They really believe that they're the beautiful ones and it's the evil ones that are after them, which kills humor. There's no way to have humor that way. And I do think in that respect, humor is dying, but I don't think it's dead. I think that it's a phase through which we're, we pass through these phases of, of, of ego trips and so on. And uh, who knows, but in the next couple of years, I, I, found, I found that actually in some ways it's, it's coming back. I, I think that it was dead about five years ago, but I think there's been a great trend returning to humor. Because I don't think, wait a minute, I don't think that 12 and 13-year-old kids take them nearly as seriously themselves as the 15 and 16s now did when they were 12. Sure, I think that the society's always changing. And that behind all of you, there's an eight-year-old kid who thinks you're really an old uh, fud and you're out of it. You kids, you think, oh, you think you're youth. Well, there's somebody behind you who thinks you're already out. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Yes, over there by the wall, in the glasses. Um, do you think that radio or television actors enforce the joint union or Well, uh, that's a question I don't know. I'm not confident. That. Do I think that a radio or television actor should be forced to join a union to get on the air? I'm not confident to answer that. And I don't think you are either. Are you in the union? I'm in the union, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm of two minds about that because if you didn't have a union, man, they'd have you working for nothing all your life. If you prefer that, fine. Uh, but that's what happens in this business. Uh, now, it's getting... How about, now wait a minute, now just, <laughs> all right, which one of you is the most worthy of being answered right now? Oh, <laughs> eight guys jump up with tears in their eyes. How about the kid with the glasses right there? Yeah, and the striped shirt. No, I didn't say that, but I, I'll accept that part. Yes. Well, now you're asking me to give a, a black... Did you hear what he said back there? Well, he said that I have said on the air that I believe that boredom is at the root of much of our social unrest and problems. And do I think that the strikes last summer, did you say? Last spring were caused by boredom. I think partially. See, boredom, like any other answer, is not just simple an answer. You can't say boredom caused it, but I think it certainly plays a role. I think one of the problems you have to face in a society where, in a society, uh, where you, you, you kids can pretty much get anything you want when you want it. I mean, you turn on the television set, and there's a movie. It's free. You, you walk out, uh, and you turn on a radio, you get records free. So the natural result is, is, is ultimate boredom. That everything is too easy. It's, there's not much of an effort to getting anything. And so 
boredom begins to really be a real rock down in your soul. You begin to say, oh, God, what, what, what am I going to do? I'm really bored. And that can be a dangerous thing. I think boredom is probably as, as dangerous as anything we know. And it's, uh, I'm not talking about specific boredom, like going to a show and being bored. I'm talking about just general boredom, what we call a malaise that settles down on people. All right, now wait a minute. I've got some written questions, and I'm going to take care of them. This one here uh, is, is from somebody from, the, from Hunter College. It says, discuss the writing, production, and direction of your TV series. Now, this is the first time anybody's really asked a question about it. Uh, that's, again, a very large question. But the team that produced the show consisted of four people. Now, come on, kids, really. It, it, it consisted of four people. The, the overall idea of the show, how the show should be, and the way the show is, was an original idea that I personally had. Now, that's only an idea, but to put it together, you have to have people who, who can work with you. It's just like direction and, and, and production all are part of the thing. And so we created a team of people who understood what we were trying to do, and, the, and all four of us have worked together for over a year intimately producing this sound, the, the, the whole picture. Now, I don't know whether he's here now. The director who's worked with me is here, I think. is All right. Uh, and we worked together on this thing, so there's no thing that Fred direct and I didn't direct. In other words, we would go through a scene, and both of us decide what we want, and we'd work all day on the damn thing. So the, the team is a four-man team of Fred Barzik, who's the director, myself, who is the, you might say, the creator, writer, performer, the guy that came up with the idea, and the two production, uh, the associate producers who brought together a lot of the mechanical problems. In other words, the people who, 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 uh, who provided the music and did all this. For example, Lee Brown. Well, hey, Lee, Lee was responsible for all the music on the show. She actually made the decisions on what we would use. And in this particular show, did you notice the quiet music behind the scenes in the steel mill? This is a, this is a very subtle art, and Lee is very good at it. <laughs> no, no. In fact, <laughs> no, not at all. She works for her daughter is back there standing next to her. She's bigger than you are. <laughs> uh, this, by the way, this is Lee Brown. Uh, Lee, raise your hand so they can all see who you are. Lee is the producer on my radio show. And the associate. Now, wait a minute. Standing next to her is her daughter, Elizabeth. So, Liz, put your hand up. There's Liz, who she goes to Clifton High School. Uh, now, uh, Fred Barzik, Fred, come on, put your hand up. Fred is our director on the show. And we have lived together and worked together for the past year. We've been all over the, uh, all over the world. This is Fred Barzik back there. Wave your hand, Fred. There's our director. And with him, I hope, is, is the other associate producer who handles all problems like uh, transportation and logistics and all that. And in fact, uh, traveled ahead of us in many cases. Both Lee and Olivia did, and they would pre-survey. For example, Olivia and Lee travel ahead of us into the Rockies by themselves, into ghost towns, to to see what was there before we even went out there. Lee, for example, was in an Eskimo village 
fog-bombed one night all by herself, traveling ahead of us on the Alaskan series. And here's the other associate producer who worked together with us. It's a four-man team. Is Olivia Tappan from WGBH. Would you raise your hand, Olivia? Well, they can't see you back in the corner, honey. There ain't nobody can see you there. So if you'll get out here with Lee so they can see who the hell you are. This is, this is Olivia Tappan. And so... The, the, uh, the four of us produced the show, which, by the way, by television standards, is a minute, minuscule crew. And we wanted it that way. When we decided to go out, it was not a matter of budget, because we, were part, we, we had a budget by the Ford Foundation, which was good, but we decided, like a good movie crew, that the smaller, the more compact the crew, the more cohesive the product would be. We didn't want 1,500 guys going off. And that's our four group. That's it. Will there be more? Oh, yes. This is a 13-week series. Yes. Uh, in fact, we had a meeting. He asked me, will there be more? We had a meeting with PBS yesterday, and it looks very good that the series will be expanded even next year. Now, I want to say this. I want, now wait, before we say it, I want to say this. You guys, it's a lot is dependent on you, really. But you know, the trouble with television and radio is that most people only get exercised about something. They really get bugged about something when it's gone. You know, if all the people who wanted to keep the Smothers Brothers on the air had written about the Smothers Brothers when it was on the air, it probably wouldn't have gone off. That's not enough out of a 15 million audience. In other words, when you're dealing with a national show, uh, it, it, it's just like, you know, it's like out of the city of New York, if you have a 14 million population and 15 guys right, that's not much. Now, they may be very involved, but the thing is, you, you have to appreciate a thing while it's there. So, if you guys get a chance to watch the show, which will be on Easter Sunday, that's this Sunday at 8, and you dig it. Now, I'm not saying you have to dig it. Really. If you dig it, if you enjoy it, if you want to see more, for God's sakes, please write Channel 13 and tell them that. Don't just sit out there, you know, dumb and say, oh, groovy, groovy, and go wandering off to the Dairy Queen. <laughs> and then, then six months later, you wonder what the hell happened to the show. This is what people do all the time. We're always doing things after the fact. Uh, now, uh, I know. I, I, wait a minute. I have to answer that. Uh, that que these questions. Now, how, we've got a lot of great questions on paper here, and most of you kids are waving your hand. And I want to answer. Here's one. Was your show influenced by the one Henry Morgan did on WR? No, I had never heard Henry Morgan at all. Uh, when I was in radio. He was not carried where I was growing up out in the Midwest. I never heard Henry Morgan. And so I couldn't honestly say it was. I don't know who asked the question, but Henry Morgan did not influence me at any point. Uh, it has been rumored that your head thumping is electronically synthesized. Would you disprove this rumor for us? Which is, which is the PA mic? Is this it? Uh, uh, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. I'll show you how my head works. Listen. Uh, now, now, I'll give you, now, now you think, if you think this is easy, try it once. Now, listen carefully. All right, let's hear it. 
What do I think of New Jersey? <laughs> New Jersey is the garden state. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's nothing like driving along Route 22 at twilight. <laughs> and ahead of you, you can see the Pat Boone hamburger heaven approaching. The Leaning Tower. And you can see those mountains, the Watchung Mountains behind, covered with doggy doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I happen to think New Jersey is a very exciting state. I love Jersey. I, 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 I just feel, I, there's a warm feeling. The minute I get out of the Holland Tunnel, you know, and I, I see all that crud drifting down, <laughs> bouncing off the hood of the car, it just, it's my home. It's my people. And I see that big sign. It says, Welcome to beautiful Union City. <laughs> That's guts. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It says, uh, would you do us the honor of appearing at the Jersey Hills Frisbee Conference Championship <laughs> later this spring to throw out the game Frisbee? Yeah. 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 That ain't a bad idea. That's from Art Dreyfus, the captain of the Mountain High School Frisbee team of West Island. All right, when, when, you're, when the affair is about to happen, send me a letter well in advance because I want to get my arm in shape, you know. Well, you better send it to me by mail. I can't answer that right now. I may be out of town. After this TV show goes on, I may have to get out, you know. <laughs> All right, uh, what type of rig did you use as a ham? Well, I am still am a ham, and my call is K2ORS. And I'm on 20-meter single side band, and I'm using a Drake TR4 into a Gonset 3 linear. Okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, now, shush. It says... Here's a good question. It says, at the last press conference last year, we asked you about how you felt about the drug problem. Do you feel that things have improved or gotten worse in the past year? Well... The very fact that nobody here has already asked me loudly about the drug problem says something that I have felt for at least a year, that the drug crisis is on the way down rapidly. Be among younger kids, I think there was a group of kids at one point who went into the drug thing and they got involved in it, and they're going to still be involved most of them all their lives. And, and I think that the kids, it's just like smoking. I think most of you kids are turned off to smoking. Well, that wasn't true of kids 10 years ago. Now, I think at this point, I think most kids are, are hip enough now to know that, that the drug scene is not the groovy scene that, you know, the older kids think. And I just don't think the problem is as great as it was among younger kids. Now, I may be, it, it's very, very strong among kids over 15 yet. But I think they're from a previous group of kids. So we tend to think kids is all one big lump, and I don't believe that. I just simply don't. Uh, I don't... Uh, I mean, I see a guy standing back there laughing loudly, but I'll tell you this. Among police, they, they find the same thing, that, that a few years ago, it was very common to find 10- and 12-year-old kids. Now, of course, I'm saying that in different social conditions, what I have said is not true. In other words, I suspect that among many minorities who are really, you know, who really have problems, personal and social problems, the drug problem is still as great. But I'm talking among the kind of kids that we have here today, for one reason or another, that most of them, I don't think, are as hip to drugs as the same group would have been had you talked to them, you know, the same age group, four or five years ago. 
Do you generally agree with that? Talking about pot? I'm talking about drugs, and I, I include pot too, yes. Disagree. You disagree? Fine, that's your opinion, but I was asked. And I think this is what I feel. And in fact, you even see a lot of uh, people are taking second thoughts about the pot problem. You see, did you see the piece recently in the Post of the, the pharma psychologist, a famous scientist out in the West Coast, who last year had been advocating legalizing pot? He's been studying it for a year, and he says, no, he, he absolutely does not buy it now. He says it does have permanent problems and permanent damage, he believes, as a scientist. We're always asking a cop or a priest or a, or a pothead about what drug is about. You should ask the chemists and the scientists. Maybe they tell you something. Uh, here's another question. This is a good question, by the way. And I'm sorry that I can't tell you a popular answer. Most of you would like me to say, yeah, pot's groovy. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. It ain't that simple. <laughs> uh, I don't know what this is about. I'll meet you at the Horn and Hard X, honey, at 46 <laughs> says, uh, here's a question. This is from Bogota High School, the official paper, Bogota, all right. Do you plan to break with WOR in order to join WGBH? No. Uh, it had nothing to do with each other. Uh, it says, I notice this press conference is WGBH function as opposed to WO function. No, they're neither. As you notice, most of the questions today were about WOR. And uh, I'm not leaving one to join the other. I'm doing a series, and I'm going into television full blast, and I will continue to be in TV, because I came to New York as a television performer, not radio. What, what did you do? Uh, I had a television show for a long time before I came to New York. Did you think that I just suddenly uh, appeared in New York? But uh, I'm not leaving WR to go on TV, because I think both mediums are very valuable, but they're very different. It says, what type of plane do you fly? Well, <laughs> I fly several types, uh, most consistently a Cherokee 180. Uh, I also fly occasionally a 172 Cessna and from time to time a Musketeer Mark III. Okay? It says, at what airport? Uh, well, I fly to several airports. It says, when is your daily show on in Boston? Well, the daily show is on, not on WGBH-TV, it's on WGBH-FM. I do not have a daily television show in Boston TV. It was a, it was a series that we did, a, a short series last year, but a special series, not a, not a regular evening show. I'm on WGBH-FM, I believe, at 11 p.m. every night. 11 o'clock? It says... Do or did you smoke cigarettes? No, I was lucky. I never got involved in cigarettes. I never really did. So I honestly can't say I, I gave up smoking. Uh, it says, how do you feel about smoking? Well, it's never been a thing in my life, so I don't have no... Obviously, the medical opinion is that it's not good, so that's all I can say. If you know those things, you do it... What's that? Somebody say something? Somebody turned. Uh, they're looking for the bartender downstairs. <laughs> By the way, how many of you have never been in the overseas press club before? You know that this this is one of the most famous rooms in New York that you're in right now. That's why we had it here. That no, because we thought you might enjoy seeing this. This is the this is the room that many many. Uh, things have happened that you've read about later in the paper. This is the room where most of the official people, ranging all the way from 
the late-handed Nehru to uh, people like Winston Churchill and so on. This is the very room, right like it is now, where these people gave press conferences. And we're holding it here because we thought you'd dig seeing it. It's a really a historic room. Uh, and this is, this is where it really happens. So you'll see in a lot of newspapers that say, in a statement at the Overseas Press Club, X so-and-so said today, well, this is where it was made, right here, before the New York Press. And we just thought you'd enjoy seeing it. It is a fascinating place, isn't it? Uh, uh, anybody else here? Want, now, wait, I, I should answer a couple more written questions. It says, reports have it... I don't have any idea what this is. It says, reports have it that Charles Kuralt, on his way out of Pitcairn, Pennsylvania, charged publicly that your show was a cheap gimmick to get you more well-known as a prelude to an impending presidential campaign. Thank you, my friends. Well, God damn it, I, didn't ho I hoped it didn't get out this soon. So, yes, I am running for the presidency in 74. <laughs> My God, I'm convinced. Of <laughs> All right, what's that? All right. It says uh, here. Let me see. What has become of my kid brother? Well, he's still my kid brother. And he's, he's living in Hammond, Indiana, and he's working for the Borden Dairy Company, okay? Isn't that a dull answer? Uh, all right, all right. Most of these questions are deteriorating rapidly here. It's getting to be nothing but silliness. And so, now wait a minute. On that point, I have to ask you a serious question now. First of all, do you think, have you enjoyed the press conference so far? Yeah. Now, would you, like, would you like to make this a yearly affair? Yeah. Now, one other question, and, and I want you to think about it seriously. It is now ten minutes past six. I'm hungry. <laughs> Kid, you have the look of a guy who's been hungry since you just hit the ground. <laughs> He hit the ground hollering for you. All right. Uh, and his mother just... <laughs> uh, the other question I have to ask is this. It's ten after six. I want you to think about it seriously. Would you like to see the second show? Yeah. Yeah. Or would you... Now, wait. Now, think about it. Or would you prefer to watch it on Channel 13 the way it really should be seen with good sound? I'm afraid the sound... The kid behind the, the cabinet over there, the one that's really afraid. Put your hand up. Yes. All right, you. Oh, I made a mistake. I asked a bummer, a bummer of a question. Thank you for coming, and I hope you dug it. Thank you.